Let's turn to the living word of God for us today. Psalm 20, we're in Psalm 20. Go ahead and go there in your Bibles, your phone, your, your iPad, whatever you're using. The, the word of the day is trouble. And you saw that in verse one, the word of the day is trouble. Um, David was in a day of trouble and y'all, it was not a minor trouble, it was a major trouble. And I don't know if any of us are facing what he faced, quite frankly, but he was in a day of trouble in which it could cost him his life. Things don't go well, he'd be dead by the end of the day or you know, that week. Uh, the nation was facing a day of trouble because if David goes, so go, as David goes, so goes the nation. So this was massive trouble on a life and death scale. The Hebrew word troubles, just like ours, in terms of meaning, it carries a sense of an event that causes distress, pain, anguish. In that definition, right? If I, with, with that as a definition, there's no one looking at me right now. There's no one online looking at, at me that escapes trouble. You cannot, you will not. Now, what the Psalm's gonna teach us is what David did with his trouble and his troubles. And therefore, the Psalm's gonna ask you and I, what do you do with your trouble? Where do you go? Now, I know this, David, contextually, David's getting ready to fight a military battle. So again, you know, in terms of hermeneutics and Bible study methods, we say, okay, that's, what's, that, what's that have to do with us? When we, when we look in principle at what's happening here and we can apply it to ourselves. So none of us are getting ready to fight a military battle in which we could die, but let me hit trouble on a, n- a number of levels. And the first would be this, that there's no one here that escapes the spiritual battle that rages. Paul said it like this in Ephesians 6, 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And so you do not go to bed at night, sleep through the night, wake up in the morning. There's no moment in a 24-hour cycle, seven days a week, 365 days a year, that there's not a battle raging. And it's a battle for your soul. It's a battle for your faith. It's a battle in which the spiritual forces of darkness come against you to subvert your confidence in Christ. Because it's spiritual in nature, right? We don't think about it a lot. It's, it's kind of not there because it's not visible, so to speak. But there's more trouble. There's trouble within. Now, I'm gonna con- put this in the category of emotional distress, depression, anxiety, mental illness, the struggle to understand what's right and wrong, what's, what's true and false. There's struggle within and trouble within. And then there's trouble without, okay? This could come under so many categories. I'm just gonna grab some of the most common for us. We have financial troubles. That's real trouble. Um, You know, some of us are in financial places that we never dreamed we would be. It's a struggle. We just go, I didn't think I would be here. Well, some of us, lose, you lose a job and you don't know where's the next job. What's the next paycheck? How am I gonna provide for my family? And the grueling process of looking for a job, it's trouble, financial trouble. There's relational trouble. And if, just, if it was just that kind of trouble, that would be enough to put most of us under, certainly puts me under. You know, relational brokenness in families, friendships, unreconciled relationships, misunderstandings, unmet longings, hurts, forgivenesses that don't come and it's difficult to extend. And then there's physical trouble. 
People get sick. There's death and dying, illness. There's, accident, there's accidents. There's things that happen. We just had a funeral here. You know, we were, one of our members, is, she's at Brentwood, Amy Alexander, some of you know. Just a, a fall that broke a rib that led to this and led to that and led to her death. There's just, there's trouble all around. Job actually puts his finger on this when he's speaking and Job's kind of thinking out loud and speaking about this mess, quite frankly, that he's in, the trouble he's in, but then the trouble of the world and how things happen in the world. And he said this in Job 5, 6, and 7, he said, for affliction does not come from the dust, nor does trouble sprout from the ground, but man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. If, if you start a fire and the sparks kind of fly up because the, the heat pushes them up, it's the law of the land, it's the law of nature. In the same way, humanity in our fallenness and in this fallen creation troubles the water we swim in. It is the air that we breathe. And in your day of trouble, again, what do we do? The this, this psalm's gonna help us. Now, I want you to understand the context of the psalm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show it in three, I'm gonna break it out in three parts because I think it has these three parts. And it's really, and this is fascinating to me, it's a worship service. Like this psalm is a liturgy. You know, a liturgy would be, how do we lead worship? We start with a call to worship and then a confession of sin, the assurance of pardon under God's word. This is the liturgy of the community of of Israel. And it begins, you'll note on, on these three breakouts, it's the hopeful blessing, verses one through five. This is the people. There's a hopeful blessing pronounced upon the king. The day of trouble is David is getting ready to go to battle. I mean, there's, there's rare that he was not fighting somewhere because Israel's enemies were continually skirmishes on the border. We're not used to that, you know, but it was real then. And so it's time he's, hey, we gotta go fight because up there in the Northeast, you know, the Malachites are coming in again. And so he's getting ready to fight. So they gather to worship and the people speak this blessing over the king. And then verse six, there's a turn and you'll note, and I'm calling it the confident assurance. There's something that clicks, it happens in David and he professes this confident assurance. And then David and the people will do what I'm calling verses seven through nine, the good confession. They, 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 they together make this good confession. With that, let's walk through the text and apply it to our lives, the hopeful blessing, verses one through five, the Lord's, the living word of God for us today. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. Selah. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. The congregation, don't miss this, is speaking this over the king. And you can kind of picture this in your mind. They're 
huge crowd gathered. The king is there and the congregation is speaking this over the king. And you'll note every, it's a blessing really, every blessing. And think of this, your protection, your help, grant grant your heart's desires, fulfill your plans, joy at the salvation God gives you. These blessings, they're all grounded, rooted in. Where do those blessings come from? From where do they arise? They arise from the name of the God of Jacob, verse one. They arise from the name of our God. That's verse five. What does it mean they arise from the name of God? What does it mean when they say we're we're, we're calling upon the name of God? Always keep in mind when, when the scripture says the name of God, it's equals God. Well, why do they call, why do they say why don't they just say God? Why do they say name of God? Well, God's names, it's not it's not a moniker that distinguishes him from other gods. The Hebrew mind, the name of God was all that God is. See, so God's so multifaceted, his attributes, his character, his nature. You, you can't just say it in one word or, or descriptor. So he had these names that represent his identity all that he is and all that he promises contained in the name of God. Here's just a sampling of those names. There are others and I I just grabbed a few. Look up on the screen. El Shaddai. Thank you, Amy Grant, for making us remember that one, right? Those are some 70s and 80s people. The Almighty One, El Shaddai. He's the all-powerful one. Jehovah Rohi, the third one, the Lord, my shepherd. He's the one who keeps, protects, provides. Jehovah Tzidkanu, the the Lord, my righteousness. You know, he is true righteousness and our righteousness. It makes a lot of sense when we get to Christ. El Roi down here, the Lord who sees, third from the bottom, that in your trouble, it's not even you'd say, God, see me. You'd say, El Rohi, because you name in that name. He is the God who sees me in my trouble. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. God's all the hosts of heaven, all angelic beings. He's over them all. They're at his disposal. So the name carries all that and even more. The blessings of the people, you all over the king, and, and I'm making fun of myself when I do this, because I do this, you know, we do this, but it was not a very timid, you know, and, and oh God, just bless King David, and just, would you just help him really fight good, and just make wise decisions, and, and would you give him, and all, all the soldiers travel mercies, they don't, they don't do that, they just, they just pour out a torrential downpour of God's blessings on the kings, rooted in the name of God over him, on him. Verse two, there's a geographical location. It says, may that help come from the sanctuary, support from Zion. Please note, it's not like, um, well, it's this. We talked about it last two weeks ago, redemptive history. Where, where is it that, that God resides at this time in redemptive history? Well, way back here in redemptive history, the connection between God and man occurred in Jerusalem. It occurred in that tent that David had put the Ark of the Covenant. It occurred right there where the sacrifices were made. This is the place of God's presence. Not like today, later redemptive history, right? He's present everywhere. 
He's presented, present in us. No, no, this time it's here. And so, so he calls upon where God connects with man. May that strength, God, come from you at that point. And note, it's at this place where the sacrifices are made. So the blood of bulls and goats covering the sin of the people, foreshadowing Jesus, but the people understanding the most important thing for their king is that he's in relationship with God. May God accept your sacrifices, David, which God has, which enables them to then pray, because think of this a bit of a tricky prayer. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans, David. Is there a human leader today that you would pray that prayer specifically for? I wouldn't, if it makes sense. Only in, I mean, I certainly pray for our leaders. But, but they prayed that prayer for David because they recognized David in relationship with God. David, your desires are gonna be God's desires and plans. And therefore, may God fulfill all your desires and plans. And then, note in verse Five, uh, may we shout for, 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 for joy. May we set up our banners over you. What's interesting on this is now they're anticipating the victory. He hasn't even gone to fight yet. And they're saying, no, no, we're, we're gonna be waving the banners, setting up our banners because of your great victory. And I think it lends itself to this lesson or principle, if we may. And we've already sung it. Mandy mentioned it at least twice. And I'm just rephrasing it. Whom God fights is already defeated whom God fights is already defeated. Whom you and I fight, well, I don't know yet. <laughs> Let's see who wins. But biblically, whom God fights, God's enemies don't never win ultimately. And so before the battle began, they were speaking of God's salvation. It's a hopeful blessing, okay? It's a hopeful blessing that leads to, and it's just gonna grab the second part of this. It's verse six, the confident assurance. Now notice the change in pronoun, verse six. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Now David is speaking. Now I know the Lord saves it's in the blessing of others. Here's, here's where I wanna turn our attention. The blessing of others upon the king stirs the faith of the king to deepen his confidence in the trustworthiness of his God. Not to be sacrilegious on this, I don't mean to be, but just to help us maybe get a little sense of what, what is happening here. Sort of like a locker room team doesn't know how the wind's gonna go. Some athlete stands up and starts talking. 
ends up giving the speech. <laughs> yeah, you can, and we can, and no one stops us. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, 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 everyone's, let's go. You know, everybody's ready to burst out of the locker. With the blessings of the people upon him, David, David himself says, now I know. It's just a deepened conviction. It's an expression of faith in God that then turns around and encourages the people. People encourage the king, king encourages the people. Now I know. God saves. He saves his anointed by his mighty right hand. Here's a just principle lesson, perhaps. We sometimes need the voice of others to stir our own faith. It's a picture of the body of Jesus Christ. It's a picture of the church. It's a picture of you and I. But there are times, days, there are times of trouble when when I know, I'm not, you know, I know you, you, you say I'm, I'm trusting God, but it's the voice of others over you, upon you, for you, that stir that faith in you, that, that reaffirm your trust and confidence in God. We need, this is the choir, isn't it speaking? I'm speaking to the choir, I hope. We need each other. We actually need each other's voices. How about that? That's kind of what we do in here on weekends. If we're singing at a word, we need not just, I need your vo- voices together over us to stir and reinforce our faith. Well, that confident assurance becomes what I'm calling the good confession. And now we get kind of the money verse in a way. It's, at least it's the verse that we always kind of think of if you even think of Psalm 20 or hear it read. Look at the good confession of people in King verses seven through nine. Some trust in chariots, and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. There it is again, in the name of the Lord, our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. Oh Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Chariots and horses were the atomic bombs of that day. This, it is what they were. I mean, you put an army on a plane with no chariots and horses and send a few chariots and horses in and it would destroy, you know, hundreds if not thousands. Israel's neighbors were nuclear powers and Israel was not. In fact, when God gave Israel a king, he gave very specific instructions and he said to the king, do not gather many horses or chariots. And you know, I mean, in that day, you'd kind of go, no, wait a minute, because all of our enemies have those. So we need those. I mean, I'm thinking just humanly and, and, and logically. But it was not a disadvantage to Israel. Now, now, now get it, in military terms, it was a huge advantage for Israel's enemies to have chariots and horses. But it was not Israel's disadvantage to have no chariots and horses. Why? Because, look back at verse six, when David says, he will help from his holy heaven, he will answer from his holy heaven with the saving might 
of his right hand, his right arm, with all his power, with every name that was named, that's what you have, Israel. And so what's just, you know, contradictory, if you will, or makes it so difficult for us, I think, is that Israel, Israel's great advantage was to have no powerful weapons other than the mighty arm of God. If you think about the story and think about this Psalm, David, we believe, wrote it. Surely the one of the most poignant pictures of, uh, of, a, of, of, a, of someone going up against chariots and horses who has no chariots and horses would be David himself, right? I mean, let's just think of the story. Think of the biblical story. Here's a boy, a young, young boy, young man, who's going against a nine-foot giant, Goliath, Right? What, what does David have when he goes against him? Now, now don't answer this out loud because it's a, it's a bit of a tricky question. You know, with what, what, what was David's, you know, weapon? What were, what were his chariots and horses when he went up against Goliath? What did he have? What did he have? Don't, and again, just gotta think about this. What did he have? And it's kind of a two-part answer. So hint, hint. Okay, he, he had, yes, yes, he had a sling and the five stones, Right? What is that against a giant? Quite frankly, it's nothing. But in David's eyes, what was he trusting in? So even think about it this way. Yes, he had the sling and the stones, but where was his confidence? Where was his trust? I'll let David answer himself. First Samuel 17, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, chariots and horses but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, whom you've defied. See, it's just like, oh, his confidence was in the name of his God. Here's a question. Do, do we trust in chariots and horses today when we find ourselves in trouble? It's worth thinking about. And I I think we do. And I was gonna make a list, but I thought I would ask you. And so I am gonna ask for an answer on this or answers, just throw them out, you know? But when, when, when faced with days of trouble, with seasons of trouble, with challenges, with difficult, what do we often go to trust upon other than the strong arm of God on our behalf? What, what, what are some things that we trust in? May I say it that way? What would you say? Just yell it out ourselves, you know, <laughs> right? We trust in, we're gonna, you know, man's humanity's confidence in humanity is off the charts, quite frankly. And, you know, and so we're gonna figure this out and then I'm gonna figure this out. Someone else said something. What did you say? Bank account. Bank account. This is the fourth time I've done this message and finances all three other times was the first. And then a close second is ourselves. Our bank account, I mean, and, and there's a part of this, you go, Lord, well, of course you gotta have money. I know, but we can, we can trust in our assets and we can, we, can put our, we can put our confidence in we'll weather this because we have it. And, and there's wisdom in that, but you understand where I'm going. It's, is that our ultimate confidence? For some, it is. What else can we trust in? What would be something else? Wisdom. 
wisdom, others, yeah. So what, trust our own wisdom and trust in others, trust in other people to help us through. And there's, I don't wanna throw the baby out with the bathwater. I just said we need others in a certain sense. But you see, there's so many things we can go to other than God, I need you to come through because there's no resource outside of you that will bring me through this trouble. And then God invites us to use resources. You know what I'm saying? But our ultimate trust is it in God, which would lead me to this perhaps a lesson, a principle we might say, inadequacy is our superpower. <laughs> that sounds so ridiculous to someone who, who's not sitting in the room who doesn't know Christ. I, I, I totally get it. It would sound stupid to me. But biblically, inadequacy is our superpower. God, it's you and it's you alone. All right, set your Bible down, set your notes to the side. You're not gonna need that to, to go where we're going next because what I wanna do is I wanna apply the text. And uh, we don't, you know, one thing we always do and we always say is we're not studying the Bible to get smarter about the Bible, to get Bible knowledge, but to be changed by it, be transformed by the truths of God's word. And that means we live it. So I'm gonna invite us to live it today. And, 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 and Rob, in his morning, noon, and night, the booklet we've been using, goes through like six questions that guide you through how to, how to engage Psalm 20, how to bring your trouble, how to bring Christ into your trouble. I'm, I'm gonna do that with us. I'm gonna amend it a bit. And so we're gonna apply the text. And we, we're gonna respond to the text. And the first thing I'm gonna invite you to do when we think of this text is I want you to get in your mind uh, the trouble that's in your life right now. Now, I know this, you know, there's some in the room that it's a big trouble and there's some in the room that you'd call it a little trouble, but it's still trouble. So, but, but get the trouble in your mind. What is it that's causing anxiety, um, uh, strain in your life? Name it, just picture it, name it. Or Name them, there may be more than one. What's causing distress or pain? Get that fixed in your mind. Now, with that fixed in your mind, what we're gonna do is we're gonna bring Christ right into the midst of our trouble. We're gonna do that by going to the table. So I'm gonna, worship team will come back out. I'm gonna invite you to take the cup and, and the bread. Go ahead and take the bread off the top, open the cup. The, the table is that ordinance that Christ gave those who know him. So if, if you've put your trust in Christ, then the table is, is, is open to you. You're welcome to the table. If you're a guest in the room, uh, come to the table if you know Jesus. Um, as you hold the bread and the cup in your hand, let me offer a few thoughts that tie to our text today. From the moment that God gave Israel a king, 
the nation's future is now tied to the king's future. You can no more, you cannot separate them as you could separate light from the sun. That they are, do you see what I'm saying? They're, the nation's future is tied to the king. There's great intention in this because it's reminding us that our future is tied to a king. See, he's, he's, he's preparing us for the great king. And David was an awesome king. In fact, you know, we're gonna note he, he, was, he was without argument Israel's greatest king. I mean, he had amazing victories, but may I say David did not go undefeated. And while David was a man after God's heart, uh, do you know there were times when David followed his own heart to great harm to himself and the nation? But David, think about the story of redemptive history. David comes along at a time when God puts David where he is and anoints him as king to point to a future king that would be a lot like David, (laughs) but would be unflawed, holy, and perfect. Of course, we're speaking of Jesus Christ, our king. And we, we bring Christ to, in our trouble because we know that Jesus trusted the name of his father perfectly. In the hour of his greatest need, he prayed, Father, not my will, but yours be done. He submitted himself perfectly <laughs> unto his father, the name of his God and father. And that led to his death, which you go, oh my gosh, he he didn't go undefeated. No, 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 wait. His his death, this is the gospel, was his great victory. That by his death, he conquered death so that you and I would never be separated from God the Father. He took it for us. That was victory with a big V. And we remember that in the table week by week. Lord Jesus, for your body broken, you became a human being and remained fully God. You were crushed because you bore our sin. For your body broken for us, we remember it and we say thank you. Receive the bread. your blood that was poured out symbolic in this cup of juice, the fruit of the vine. As we take it today, Jesus, we are remembering that you gave your life. You were separated from the Father so that we would never have to be. And you satisfied the payment for our sin and the sin of the world. And as we receive the cup week by week, we're not just remembering what you did, but we're proclaiming, Paul says, that you're coming again one day to set all things right. You're the only king who can do it. You're doing it now. You'll do it fully and finally and forever then for your body broken, your blood shed. We say, thank you, receive the cup.
You see, in our troubles, we're never alone. We're in Christ in our troubles. And in Christ, the blessings of Psalm 20, may I say this to you, they're yours. They're ours in Christ Jesus. They are rooted in the name of our God. So the next thing we do is we we bring, we, we, we haul, call upon and hold the name of God. So I'm gonna put the names of God back up. So now I want you just to look up here and there's a name or names that for your trouble, you need God to be that. Call on him. Just name it, hold it. Trust that name. Take a moment to do that. that name, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move us to the next thing I'd like to invite you to do. And you do this if the Holy Spirit leads you. I'm going to invite you, I'm going to give you a moment to stand. Some of you, everyone won't, you don't need to, but if, if you feel so led, I'm going to invite you to stand up. And let me tell you what that's going to signify for you, okay? Between you and God, if you feel the Spirit nudging you in this way, I'm gonna invite you to stand. And when you stand, what you're saying before God, and, and, and quite frankly, you're in a body, of, you're in a place right now, and so it'd be the others. You're saying, I'm in trouble and I need God to rescue me. Now, you know, public speaking is the number one fear of people. And so, you know, you're not gonna have to say anything, <laughs> but yeah, I get it, I get it. You stand up and it's like, whoa, I'm standing. and. It's okay, this is for those who feel so led. And may I say that the transformation that happens in our hearts, in, in you know, with thoughts, emotions, desires, choice in our soul, that, that we're connected to a body and that that transformation requires at times our body's engagement and movement. And so that's just what this is, okay? So if you feel so led, because we're gonna, we're gonna be speaking something over you as you stand in a moment. But if you feel so led, I'm gonna give you a moment to stand. Just pray and if the Spirit leads you to stand, then I invite you to stand. those standing, and I know some of you are seated and you're going, I, I don't want to stand, but I, I'm in trouble and I need God. This is for you as well. So we as, you know, in terms of this liturgy that's happening, we who lead you, we are going to speak the blessing on you, over you. Just close your eyes. Even, and, and trust the Spirit at work as we speak these words over you. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. 
May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices, Selah. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. And now I want everyone to look at the screens and I want everyone to go ahead and stand. May we speak what we know by faith. So speak it aloud, read along as, as we lead you. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall but we rise and stand upright. Oh Lord, save the King. May he answer us when we call. And may we, in these next few moments, call out with our own Psalm 20. May we articulate from the heart what's true from the word with these words that remind us over and over. It is our God's mighty right hand that fights for us. We trust in Him.